Welcome to the See Me After Class podcast. I'm your host, John Graham, and you're listening to episode 10. So now that I'm trying to get on the dating scene, I'm trying to eat healthier. A few friends of mine have been helping me out. One guy, I'm a, I'm a terrible cook, cook, first of all. Like, I've always eaten candy, cereal, pizza, spaghetti, uh... Lots of canned stuff. It's what I grew up eating. And nowadays I'm surrounded by fucking people who are just like, you know, they... Like, I go up and down the aisles of the canned food and stuff in the supermarket. I'm just like, oh, I'll take that, I'll take that, that looks good, that looks great. Because canned food's great, right? You just throw it in the fucking microwave, wait three minutes, and it's fucking done. And you don't have, you barely have to like clean dishes or anything like that. Because I hate fucking... That's like one of the worst things I find about cooking. is just having a pile of pots and pans there. And you got to clean all that fucking shit up. It's just such a mess to deal with. I don't like... I'm so fucking... Ugh, I don't want to... It feels like such a... Like I've got better time... Better ways to like spend my time. So like I don't even want to start the mess. You know what I mean? So I just want to stick with like canned food. Stuff that's easy to make. Stuff that I can nuke in a matter of fucking minutes. Or seconds preferably... If I could eat something that took five seconds, or not even, if I could just have food in fucking pill form, and I would just eat that for the rest of my life, I would be totally down for that. Bring it on. But now I'm surrounded by people, like they pass that same aisle, they take one glance down that canned food aisle, and they'll be like, yeah, that's all cancer. <laughs> like, cancer as in, if you consume it, you will eventually get cancer, maybe. I don't know if I have a genetic disposition for and against that or against that happening who knows um but it's just such a fucking bummer man because like this has been my life like eating that shit because i just don't i'm not that adventurous with food i don't care that much i was always more preoccupied with video games or writing stories or you know just entertainment in general you know whatever than what food i was eating like if it wasn't candy I wasn't enjoying it, and it was just fuel at that point. Pasta I didn't enjoy, I have to admit. I'm a pastafarian, I'm fucking crazy about pasta. Uh. But now I've become what I've always hated, a fucking calorie counter. One of those fucking nerds that takes five minutes to pick up each individual can and turn it around and look at the nutrition label. Ooh little too much sodium oh look at look at that sugar content oh my god these carbohydrates are gonna go straight to my thighs i'm one of those fucking assholes now because eventually you gotta like i mean if i don't do this now it's gonna come one day where some god forbid something fucking terrible happens to me one of my organs and i drop dead oh, oh. go to the doctor's John, if you don't start eating right, you're going to die. And I'm going to be faced with that. And I'll be like, Jesus, I'm going to be forced to make a change. So, you know, either I do it then or I do it now. And I don't know. I'm trying. It's hard. But I'm trying. A friend of mine helped me out. Like, he... I was like, can you help me out? Like, walk me, like, when next time you're, like, cooking something, like, because he was, t like, I was over at his house, and he was, he got, he had this, like, slow cooker, and he had made this great stew. Or not, not a stew, he made some dish, I can't remember, it was actually really interesting, it was like, uh, it was like a meat dish, but it had rice, and also, like, slices of bananas in it, and I looked, when I first looked at it, I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's for me, like, mixing banana with like a meat dish that's weird but i tried it and i loved it it was great so i was i told the guy i was like hey next time you're planning on making something like do you mind inviting me over and i'll just like watch you do it and i'll you know see if i can replicate the process at home and you know start you know making an attempt to like make stuff with a slow cooker that's relatively easy and uh you know eating a little bit healthier like fresh stuff 
and not just canned bullshit, which, you know, apparently I should have been avoiding, like, the plague my whole life, but it's all I've been fucking eating my whole life, like, how many years have I taken off my life because I've been shopping in that those fucking aisles with all the processed foods and stuff? But anyway, so like he invited me to go shopping with him, so I went with him, and we were we were in the supermarket, and the first place we go to is the fresh produce aisle. So I was it's like before I went into the supermarket with him, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll accompany this guy, I'll see where he goes, and I'll see what I'm doing wrong in the supermarket because I have no idea. And the first place he goes is the fresh produce aisle. And I'm like, oh, that's what I've been doing wrong. Because I've never fucking set foot in here. Like, the, the fresh produce aisle in a supermarket for me is like being on the surface of Mars. You know what I mean? Where am I? There, are there aliens behind those... <laughs> behind that broccoli over there? Um, very unfamiliar territory. And so I'm asking him, like, you know, how... You know, I don't know how much to buy of these things. Like, I like everything contained, like, in containers and measured and everything. But this is just, like, they just put the food out there. Here's some fucking avocado. Here's some bananas, whatever. Like, I'm just, like, watching him buy his stuff. Like, how much do you get? Like, and he's showing me, like, the different spices and stuff. And, and yeah, so that's what I've been doing all along is I've never been in the fucking fresh produce aisle. But I'm... I haven't really, I got, I got us, I got a little, my mom lent me a little toaster oven that I've yet to make use of, but uh, I plan to at some point, but I'm thinking of getting myself a little slow cooker and then I can buy like frozen vegetables and just like thaw them out whenever I want them and throw them all into a pot. Just let that cook. I mean, I say like, I say I don't know how to cook and stuff, and he's showing me, my friend is showing me how to operate a slow cooker, and there's literally like two buttons on it. One is off and on, and the other is adjust the time that the food inside cooks for. That's it. So it's like, what excuse do people really have? You know, people who say they don't know how to cook. It's like, you're just not putting the fucking effort in. You know, I wasn't putting the fucking effort in, and I got to start doing that at some point i haven't started yet because like you know like i've been talking about all throughout this podcast podcast i've been i've had a lot in my fucking mind lately but uh but eating healthy is important and you know it keeps the weight off and especially since i'm not working on set a lot anymore i'm not that physically active i try to get out once every day walk around i tried <laughs> running that lasted like two sequential mornings and then i fucking stopped like oh fuck this my throat feels like it's on fucking fire you know just just running down the end of one fucking road like one block i'm like panting by the end of it I feel like my throat's on fire <gasps> it's a fucking nightmare man exercise but uh yeah on other matters uh the last podcast well since the last podcast, there haven't been many other episodes, and uh, I am sorry about that. Um, to be honest, I, I was bummed out after recording episode 8, which not everybody liked. Everybody thought I was too angry. Um, and my defense for that is that it's a podcast, and I treat it like... You know, it's like open mic, open mic night for me. You know what I mean? Microphone's there. And, you know, I'm doing a show. The purpose of the show is to entertain people. From the very beginning, one of the taglines for the show has been a comedy, a comedy podcast of penny, petty personal grievance. So it's just me complaining about shit. And I thought, you know, for, for an episode, I'll put a lot of energy in her, into it. You know what I mean? Like, um, it'll be... Like, I hate when people get fake angry online because it's easy to tell. But when I was recording episode eight, the anger was real, but you place it behind different things that you're not necessarily that upset about. But it's just because you put, you channel anger about something else that's really bothering you. 
behind something that's not bothering you so much, you end up getting a funny rant about that thing, even though it's not something that particularly offends or dismays you that much, you know? I was just trying to make it funny. That really, that, that was my goal. And I really got into it. And I really tried to channel anger that was inside me about a lot of things. And, and you know, I put it behind YouTube heroes. And I went off on this huge rant and stuff. And, um, and I felt, I've, even though it doesn't sound like it, I felt good recording it. It felt good to shout like that. To speak speak my mind without without a screen really and then after it was over I felt like I just had a workout you know what I mean but it, I was just shouting like I work out from my tongue pretty much that's it but I felt like good after it you know like I just stepped out of a sauna or something like oh I feel pretty good you know and then I put it out there and I guess people liked it going by the like bar and the views and stuff which were pretty consistent with the other episodes but I just a few comments came out of the woodwork that really bugged me and then people were telling me to you know I should get over myself and stuff like that it's like you're really getting that upset about this stuff and I'm just like guys it's like this is this is like an entertainment performance that you should be seeing this as you know what I mean something that I've this claim to that really upsets me on this show might not necessarily bug me that much but all, all it took is one comment and I was immediately in like a bad mood because you know I, I guess I get the feeling that these, some of these people they got upset because they're fans of me like like I originally got felt kind of cross that some people were commenting the way that, that, that they did towards me and using all this scathing language, you know, to get through to me, you know, as if they couldn't get through to me otherwise. And just speaking, like, politely. But they gotta, like, dig into me with, like, fuck you, fucking faggot, get over yourself, faggot. I'm like, whoa. I'm really sorry people, not everybody enjoyed it, because that was really the intention to, like, keep, like, a super high energy level for, like, an hour long show i thought that would be cool i thought that would be entertaining to listen to but i can see the 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 point of view of the critics though because playing it back i mean immediately right away when i when i played that episode back and started editing it the whole thing was like peaking throughout i'm like oh shit i don't think i can fix this it's just this is just the audio this is what it's gonna have to be but hopefully like the the energy behind what I'm saying will come through and people will forgive the quality of the audio, you know, and the fact that I'm speaking so loud and my mic my mouth is so close to the microphone. So uh, we had a Halloween party at the house a few days before Halloween. <clears throat> and uh, I dressed up as Chucky from Child's Play. And um, I just want to mention this quickly, actually. I talked about this in the, in the stream I did recently, but... Um, the series Child's Play. It's a series of horror movies that started in the 1980s. Uh, the first movie was written by Doug Mancini, I think. And it was directed by a guy named Tom Holland. That was the first Child's Play. Then there's Child's Play 2, 3, Bride of Chucky, Seed of Chucky. And then there's one, Curse of Chucky, where the original writer of the first one, Don Mancini, has come back to both write and direct. So it's like the... The writer of the first movie both writing and directing the latest one that actually brings back the kid that played Andy Barclay uh, Andrew Vincent I think his name is like they actually bring him back and he's all grown up it's like it's fucking awesome but anyway the reason I brought it up is Child's Play was I think one of, it's one of my earliest recollections of horror cinema and I think it's integral to the creation of Barbie and the Chief just because I think the, their, the concepts are similar and they're shot in very similar ways. Like the concept being both my show and Child's Play are about, well, I'll just tell you the premise of Child's Play. It's about the, 
I see there's a there's a guy called Charles Lee Ray, and he's he's known as the Lakeshore Strangler, and he goes around strangling people, as a strangler would do. And he goes, he's like he's running away from the cops one night, and he runs into a toy store, and he's he's I think he's shot or something. He's dying, right? And so he and this toy store that he, that he runs into is full of these packaged good guy dolls and good guy doll is the form that uh chucky inhabits everybody knows chucky classic horror icon right red hair freckles throughout the series he gets like scars on his face he's got like overalls a striped kind of clownish shirt big red buttons on his overalls says good guy on the front big front pocket anyway that was my halloween costume for the for the party by the way which i was really happy about that costume looked sick everybody was complimenting my my costume it was dope but uh but yeah just a fun fact for like people who are fans of arby and the chief and curious about its you know how it's how its creation came about i think child's play was a huge inspiration because of the way it's shot like both both my show and child's play are about toys that are foul-mouthed that come to life and kind of run amok and cause mischief and sometimes murder you know much more so chucky but you know in my show sometimes too and the way it's shot too like you look at my stuff and the way i shoot the toys you either see them from the waist down or the waist up so you either see chief and arbiter top half bobbing around like this with their arms outstretched or you see their legs walking across the floor and if you watch the child's play movies they're shot exactly the same way you always see chucky either waist up or waist down you see his little legs moving or you see chucky bobbing around and whenever you see chucky in a wide shot he's usually immobile or and if he isn't immobile it's usually some kind of special shot where they might uh they might have a little person in like made up and dressed up to look like chucky and they film it from a distance so you can't really see his face or maybe they'll do it like cgi or something or you know something like that but the, you know just a fun fact don't know who cares maybe nobody but uh just letting you know a lot of inf inspiration came from that but uh yeah the halloween party it was it was fun we we all pitched in for a big keg of beer that we're all struggling to finish because it's, it's like even the, the party's done now but there's still a shitload of beer in the keg and so everyone in the house has been just like furiously drinking beers all day every day to like get all the beer out of it because the keg rental house needs the keg and the tap back but it's like it's all beer we paid for but it's like they need their equipment back by a certain day so we we have to drink all the beer by then and so we've been doing that so uh been dr drinking a lot <laughs> a lot of beer um I was at another Halloween party too. That was pretty fun. Went in my Chucky outfit again. Um. Oh yeah, we were playing beer pong, and uh, that was pretty fun. It got it's a little bit of a chore after a while. I get like, I hate fucking getting roped into a beer pong tournament that lasts way too fucking long. Cause I like it's it's a fun. Like, I'll, I'll play around a beer pong now and again, sure, but I don't want to be in a fucking tournament where it's like, you know, I, I, I me and my team, whoever, whoever teammate I have keep winning by fluke. And it's like, oh, you get to face the, you know, you're the winner, so you go to the next round. I'm like, dude, I'm done. I just want to sit around and drink and, you know, be merry. I don't want to play this fucking game. I don't give a shit. But you don't say that, right? You just fucking go along with it. Just for the sake of the party, right? And so we were playing beer pong and... Um, and there was these, like... There's a few, like, tool bags there. Like, fucking alpha male dicks. Who were, like, taking it too seriously. They are getting all, like, aggressive and territorial. One of them was just, like... Just by his physicality, you can immediately tell at a first glance, like, you know, he's the type of guy whose physical kind of intimidation merges into his personality as well. You know what I mean? So he's just like, you know, 
He's just always kind of imposing. He has that aura about him. You don't really want to like question him or, you know, mess with him. You know what I mean? And yeah, I remember at like one point, me and a guy I was playing with, we were just unsure of the rules and we were describing the way we were playing. Like, cause you know, you, with all these like tabletop home games, you put little modifiers and fun house rules on them. You know what I mean? And, and you know, sometimes you, you play with a house rule so often that you just assume that that's part of the general game that everybody understands. So, you know, some, sometimes you just make a mistake and we were, we were playing one particular way. And then these two guys like came up to us. They're like, dude, what are you doing? And we're like, we're just playing beer pong and we're, we're like, we're going next. And then, you know, we're facing these people and then these people they were describing how we thought the, the tournament was working. And they started like, they couldn't just go with it and be like, oh, okay, fine. Like they had to lay down the law and they had to explain to us, no, this is how it's going down. Okay. This is how we're playing this game of beer pong. This is how the term tournament is going to work. Okay. Listen, pull out your notepad, take some notes. Okay. If you have to, we're going to be playing this team here. We're going to be playing this team here. And then once they win, they're going to play the, them and they're going to play them like it's fucking beer pong. Who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck? Seriously. It's a fucking tabletop game played with a ping pong that you buy for like a dollar and fucking solo cups that didn't even have fucking beer in them so it wasn't even beer pong this particular version we were playing at this party it was just like water in them which is like fine who cares but like why do you care why you why you got such a fucking bug up your ass about that why you get on fucking territorial and like ugh, like, make way, Nobel Peace, Pi Peace Prize winners. Here come the fucking local amateur beer pong champions. Yay! All right. Tell us how you did it. Fucking assholes. Who cares? Just fucking play the game. However, anybody... Like, if, you're, if your rules are so fucking sacred to you, why don't you just put them up on the fucking wall? You know what I mean? Save us coming in. And, you know playing the wrong way so it forces you in a position where you have to step in and lay down the law and tell us how it really is how we're really supposed to play this because otherwise it doesn't count it doesn't count right it doesn't count beer pong doesn't count it gives a fuck <laughs> and then there was this other couple of guys we were playing with me and this other partner that i had and they were so aggressive about winning beer pong you know when i'm like <laughs> who cares like it's just a drunken stupid fun time game who cares what rules you put on it like it's just some mild entertainment you know what I mean it doesn't mean anything and the, whole, the whole time I'm thinking I'm like is it the booze that's doing it or is it like the motivation to impress women like, women are going to be impressed by that, that you're being so fucking, like, dominant over beer pong. You've got to win. Like, fucking hyper-competitiveness over a fucking leisurely tabletop game. Who fucking cares? Like, surely the more attractive thing from a women's perspective is a guy that doesn't get so fucking irrationally territorial over something that doesn't fucking mean anything. You know what I mean? So I'm just looking back, just taking a step back and looking at this behavior and just laughing, you know what I mean? And just going along with it, not starting any shit. Because I think one, one or two of them seemed like the type that like, you know, they're like waiting on you to start shit. Start some shit so, you know, they can throw a punch maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But, uh... Yeah, other than that, the party was great. Just one or two people who just take themselves a little too seriously. And uh, I remember talking to this girl there, too. Um, I saw her at the beginning of the party. Near the beginning. Like, uh, like I got... Me and, my, me and the people I was going with, they, we got there. And then, like, a half hour passed. And then this girl came in. I think she was an animator for some company. And uh, she came in... And she looked at me, and she immediately looks at me, and she says, uh, 
you're scary. Your outfit's scary. Something like that. And I'm like, oh, thank you. And I'm right away, I'm like, oh, she likes me. Because, like, they wouldn't. They don't. I don't think women strike up a dialogue like that if they don't. If they aren't at least somewhat interested in the guy. Just like the way she approached me. Because she wasn't forced to talk to me. She was just like passing and she chose to. You know? And I had it affirmed later, confirmed later on. Because later, like, near the end of the night, I just grabbed a, pu a you know, things were winding down. And I went over and grabbed the pool cue and just started shooting balls into pockets by myself. And the girl saw me from across the, the hall and came over and... Um, and she started talking to me again, and, she, and her same line was like, you're, you're scary, your outfit's scary. And, you know, I immediately started throwing some stuff back. I was like, well, hey, you know, I could have had a hatchet as part of the, the outfit, but I chose not to. And, and the last time I had this costume on, I had blood, fake blood put all, all over my face to, to make it seem like it, I had just finished stabbing somebody. But... Um, but I'm not wearing that this time. So I'm like, hey, I'm not that scary. Look, I'm a good guy. You know, I got uh, rosy cheeks, freckles, red hair. This and one's from Cameron. Hey, yo, Johnny G, I need your wizard-like information to help me with a problem. So when I make a machinima in a Halo game, I run into an issue, the background sound in the game. Each map has some diegetic sound other than the footsteps and gunshots and shit. Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. When I watch your stuff, I don't hear the map's background noise unless you intend for it to be heard. What do you do? Do you actually do something? Am I being retarded? And does my question even make the slightest bit of sense? Thanks a billion. Keep up the good work. Thanks a lot, uh, Cameron. Uh, what I used to do... I'm surprised when you say that you couldn't hear it in my stuff. Because I think it's there in my stuff all the time. In fact, I think it's very bad sometimes in my old stuff. Because what I used to do was... Um, uh, I would record the gameplay scenes and keep all the audio from that footage and have that in the master timeline. Line, that, like that audio that was recorded source from that shot. You know what I mean? And so, so that audio would be kept in. I'd put all the clips in, and then I'd have an ambience track where I'd overlay this, like uh, this, the ambience from the level of the same scene again on a different track. And I'm not sure why, looking back on it, I'm not sure why I decided this was a good idea because what I'm essentially doing is duplicating the sound design of that level and like stacking it and it's like so some like like I, I know you're talking about about levels having diegetic sound like tempest for example if you load that map up occasionally there's this big there's like a big thing in the background those fucking tower structures and they shoot like plasma or some growing glowing ball like a beam of light i don't know whatever the fuck it is but it's shooting something in a space for some reason and like every 30 seconds there's this loud like bang not loud but like loud and distant so it's like this boom and the way i used to cut footage you would hear that sound in not only the source audio of the shots but also the ambient track so so you get all these overlapping sound effects and like if, if the ambient track happened to line up close to the, the source audio from the clips, you would get this echo effect because the same sound effects are happening so close together. So after a while I finally clued in and I'm like, what am I doing? You know sometimes how you just do stupid shit for a long time and you know it's stupid but you keep doing it anyway because it feels so habitual and then it takes somebody finally pointing it out to you be like dude what are you doing like stop doing that do it do it this way instead and you're like oh fine but like you, you always knew it was a stupid idea but eventually like you get into some like tense situation that forces you to finally do shit the right way and or you finally 
maybe sub some con subconsciously, you know, something's like stupid, and then somebody points out the obvious to you, and you're like, oh, why, why was I doing that that the that way before when I should have been doing it this way? So anyway, I've stopped doing that. I've stopped doing that duplicate ambience track. I take that out and I just deal with the source audio. And if it's like a wide master or something like that, or if, 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 um, oh, if, if it's any shot, like if there's a loud sound in it, like diegetic to the map, like it's something you don't have control over. It's the it's not a sound caused by the player. It's environmental. Um, it, it's just in the looping background track. Then you just um, unlock the video from the audio in the timeline on your video editing software and just drag that chunk, that spike in the volume level, that that weird diegetic sound, just drag it off. Use the slip tool, I think it's called. You just slip it out of there. So it's it's the same source audio track, but you're just shifting the, the video and the audio out of alignment slightly. So like you can have clean, quiet background audio over top a particular shot. Um, and where, where definitely like if when you're editing, like you you edit stuff in passes, right? So you'll you'll do an assembly cut of a video project. Then you'll do a rough cut, and then you'll do a fine cut, and maybe a few revisions of those. And then you want to do a sound mix separately. And then even a, maybe even a music mix, exclusively music. You would do that in a separate mix. Like, just go through the whole thing in layers. Like, just tackle one thing at a time. I used to, I used to like, do every detail of every facet of the production, like, all at once. And just slowly, like, build the timeline. But it just, I realized I was like adding a bunch of time onto the, in, in the long run, when I could just be simplifying the process by doing things in passes and not constantly jumping between different interfaces and stuff, you know what I mean? To get it all done very slowly. Um, and you, you, you get more creative too when you do things in passes, like when you do the assembly cut and you do, and then... You do like a rough cut and then you finish the rough cut and you take a break from it and you come back to it and then you watch the rough cut and you watch it with like fresh eyes and be like oh you know i kind of like what i didn't like what i did here before but i like it now or you know i have to trim this and then once you do a fine cut and then that's done and you you're ready to do a sound mix you don't have to think about the visuals anymore like that's done that that part of the process is locked so now you're just focusing on the sound and that's all you have to worry about so it, i think it encourages more creativity when you're uh, in sound design when that's all you have to focus on and the picture is out of your mind anyway thanks for your email cameron um this one's from owen hey john how did you not become chronically constipated or at least backed up during the period when you pretty much only ate cereal? I don't know, dude. I shouldn't be alive right now, to be honest. The amount of nights I ate junior mints and banana milk for, for dinner? Fuck me. I'm citing... I'm not sure if you dropped it. Um... That period, you mean, of me eating cereal? I still eat a lot of cereal, but I try to be healthier about it. You know, I don't buy the sugary bullshit anymore. I buy, uh, I've got, like, porridge oats, ancient grain. Sounds like the most boring fucking thing in the universe. And it, out on its own, it tastes like fucking cardboard. It's disgusting. It's like old people slop. That's always how I thought about it. But, you know, it's not so bad if you, like, cut up a banana into that. And that's a healthy option. And if I eat cereal, then it's usually like multi-grain Cheerios or something. But, you know, how much healthier is that really in comparison? I don't know. I'm citing back to some of the season 5 and 6 episode commentary. You remember eating like a lot of cereal, right? An abnormal amount. I also have a friend named Matthias. He's kind of a faggot. <laughs> <laughs> And there's like a, there's like an image link. 
<laughs> it's like, if you don't believe me, just have a look at this image. You'll see how much of a faggot he is. Oh, okay, Owen. I'll just have a look. I'm not going to show this publicly. I'm just having a look at it. <laughs> Can't even see his face. He's just like lying down on a, on a futon face down with like empty bags of Doritos and, and bottles of Sprite on his back. Uh, that's funny. Except your friend is pronounced differently. Well, I, I, appre I greatly appreciate you me. Yeah, ugh, I greatly appreciate you showing me your faggot friend. I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's an immense faggot. I love your shit, man, and can really relate to the podcast thus far. Some of my fondest childhood memories are of laughing my ass off at the earlier seasons. My favorites are Conflict Part One. Really? God, I, I did not like that one. But I'm glad you do. And The Wedding. Yeah, that, that was... I thought that was alright. Um, my friends and I absolutely loved Endgame and the movie. Thanks, Owen K. Thanks a lot, dude. That's right, it was Arby and the Chief Endgame and Arby and the Chief the movie. Those were the two titles and they were different things. I kept getting them confused as like the same thing in my head for some reason. But I'm glad I finally have that cleared up in my head. Um, thanks for your email, Owen. Let's move on here, I think. Glad you enjoyed the show, man. Uh, this one's from Christopher. Dear Spiderma. <laughs> Spiderma, Spiderma. I know you're sensitive about one life remaining, but Peter is so cool. <laughs> Where did you find the inspiration for his character? And do you really drink skim milk, faggot? <laughs> oh. Everyone thinks I'm a faggot, don't they? I'm less sensitive about one life remaining than I used to be. If people like it and they want to say good things about it, that's cool. And I, I know you appreciate it. But uh, I've talked about this before. I've, watching that show back uh, just feels... To, in musical terms, it's like hitting two off notes, like over and over, watching that movie from shot to shot, just because the, the, there's not necessarily, um, the story isn't necessarily bad. I mean, I, I'd have to like watch it again to like accurately judge it. I can't remember a lot of the plot things I did in that movie, it's all, or that show, it's all a little bit foggy, but, um, yeah, it's not necessarily that the story's bad, but I feel like the story that I've written in that show and the visuals and the fact that everyone's in Halo armor on Halo maps with Halo vehicles and none of it's addressed in the dialogue. Like, none of the characters acknowledge, I guess sometimes, but like not enough, I think to a degree that it shatters the the ability of the audience to suspend their disbelief and it I, I just I have trouble watching it because of that but I'm glad I'm, I'm really glad fans are able to look past that and appreciate it for what it is and extract the things that were good about the the story at least and at least it was entertaining enough to for you know that people wanted to find out what happened next and just watch the episode all the way through I think that's great anyway thanks for your email Chris um, this one's from Cheese Machine. Longtime fan writes fan mail. You won't believe what happens next. <laughs> That's the subject line. Hey, John, sorry for the length. I don't know if you'll read this, but I've been a huge fan of yours since the first season of Arby and the Chief came out when I was an angsty, hormonal, imbalanced eighth grader. If I could still... If I could distill where the entirety of my sense of humor came from, it would be from watching your videos on a weekly basis for the worst part of almost almost a decade. <laughs> I'm at loss. I'm at a loss to whether I should thank you or punch you in the fucking face. It's certainly distanced me from most people in high school in regards to what I thought was funny, but that's neither here nor there. Oh, sorry about that. Um anyways <laughs> this is my first time writing any kind of fan mail and because it's to you because it's to you it makes 
any sense of awe that this would have had into a really mundane experience. Awe that this would have had into a really mundane experience. In all seriousness, you've had a major impact on me as a human being, and I'd like to thank you for all the content you've put out. Thanks, man. You seem, you seem to be someone that can turn your anger and melancholy, melancholy at the world you live in into something that countless people enjoy and derive meaning from. The evolution of Arby and the Chief from a comedic variety type show into something tonally and thematically more sophisticated in retrospect is really impressive, and I really think you have a lot of talent. Seriously, you have tremendous comedic and dramatic talent. Your work is really similar to Andy Kaufman, who writes, <laughs> who writes similar melancholic, absurdist type comedies. I'm really sorry that Machinima fucked you over. I really saw the decline of that fucking place, and I'm sorry you got caught up in that. Your shows have really helped me with my depression, and it's a massive relief to see that someone felt what I did. In a world where I thought nobody cared about me, the depression rant in episode 8 of See Me After Class was completely on point. Thank you. Th at least someone who enjoyed that and is vocalizing it. I'm... You know, it's hard to tell sometimes if people are on board with that. I'm glad I did it. I, th I still stand by it. I think it's funny. I'm sorry if people didn't dig it. But I'm glad you did, cheese machine. I've really had those days where being alive is a chore. Yeah. One Life Remaining helped me a lot, too. I know you aren't overly fond of that show, and for good reasons, it really goes off the rails towards the latter part of season two. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But there is a lot of really good character-driven comedy, and although it centers around angsty juvenile humor, yeah, that's another problem, but so does Arby and the Chief, whatever. I never grew up. I, f I, f I still feel like a fucking angry sixth grader. I'm almost 30 now. Um, I think your audience... Myself included, really related to the day-to-day -day mon mundanities of the life of a misunderstood teenage male like me. You really got your audience, intentional or not. I've also been abused by the public education sector, and it's also really comforting knowing that there's someone who's at least a tiny, who has at least a tiny amount of solidarity with me. I'm ranting a bit to you, and I'm writing to you instead of writing an essay I have due tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I used to do that. Fuck it. You're gonna waste my week writing your dumb fucking essay. I'll get to it on the last day. Don't like it? Too bad. Um, so I should get on that. Yeah. Definitely on the last day or the morning of. <laughs> I've done that before. Wrote an essay the morning it was due. I think I had at least a week to work on it. And I ended up getting a good grade on it. So, you know, sometimes it's not the end of the world having no time. In closing, you're the real shit. 2001 is incredible, and I hope you get recognized. Thanks for all the fish, <laughs> Cody. Thanks, Cody. Thanks a lot for your email. I really appreciate that. This one's from Jonathan. Hey, John. Loving the podcast. Your stories and opinions remind me a lot of myself. Very relatable. Anyway, I'm filming an anti-bullying anti video as a project for my psychology class, and my group has elected to make an emphasis on bullying, bullying in online gaming. The script that we have drawn up thus far bears a striking resemblance to the themes presented in Arby and the Chief Episode 7, Girls. Oh yeah, that was a good one. From listening to the podcast as well as watching pretty much every gaming-related film you've created, you seem to know a thing or two about this particular subject. So I was wondering if you could give me some pointers as to how to give the project the best quality possible. Plus, if the professor thinks it's good enough, our video could potentially be presented to the students at a nearby middle school. Interesting. Uh, appreciate any tips you can give. Thanks, Jonathan. P.S. Loving the show as well. Stoked for more episodes of Arby and the Chief as well as Bites. Thanks so much, Jonathan. You want pointers as to how to give the best, the, the project the best quality possible for an anti-bullying video for your psychology class. Okay. Um, well, I think my show deals with a particular type of bullying, which is the type of bullying where anonymity is a factor, where people don't know who you are, where you live. Like, it's, it's about, like, those, those people who exhibit that behavior online behind a mask of anonymity, they wouldn't necessarily act that way in real life. 
and in real life they might be considered perfectly affable individuals but it's just when they get on online and they have that mask where nobody knows you know there's people give it give in to this temptation to become a different person and say things and do things that they normally wouldn't just to get a rise out of someone else across the internet and make them ang angry so that you laugh and it's become this kind of troll uh network that's slowly building like a growing collective of people who understand this absurdist kind of humor and in on the joke of like getting a rise out of everybody and you know every you know isn't everything so ironic and like anyway i think the i think the kind of anti-bullying video you're talking about is uh it's not entirely different i think some of the course themes are the same but uh you're talking about like face-to-face -face bullying right i mean i assume like you're doing this for a psychology class so i assume that this is like bullying in schools like public schools or, or I, I guess cyberbullying you could include that in uh school bullying i mean i don't know what the context of the video is you know for all i know it could be a music video or is it like a like you are you making an argument with a thesis and supporting evidence oh sorry to make an to make an emphasis on bullying in online gaming fuck i'm i overlooked that part sorry about that fuck in which case yeah i guess i am the guy to talk to but uh yeah so maybe you can extract something from what i said about anonymity like that's that's really i think a huge factor in it and what maybe some people who do it don't care if and maybe they actually do the same thing in real life with real people face to face and maybe they're just the type of people who just like conflict wherever they are whether it's online gaming or reality but i think most people they they use that they know they they would they react very differently in each realm most people are very are you know try to be good at least on the surface meeting people in real life and then they play online and they just let loose and become someone else i think that's it's you know because that's why people go to movies too it's like escapist fantasies like you become someone else you go see an indiana jones movie and you're experiencing a story through indiana jones for two hours or james bond you know what i mean in this case it's a troll that is causing severe aggression on the other end of the the communication lines and it's just funny to listen to kids get worked up and stuff and but i think another important thing to note about online bullying is that it doesn't I think it's prone to not lasting very long because trolls have very short attention spans and then after maybe even a matter of days they'll move on to some other target because they just want to jump on somebody have their fun and then it's like okay move on to the next guy we're bored now i think there's a lot of that i think there's subdivisions of bullying too there's different branches you can go down there's like uh the hatred of women hatred of gays hatred of particular groups races um ageism like picking on kids or kids picking on older people and people i think a lot of people who to, who do this tend to be very tech savvy and they know how to fish for in information and they know how to abuse social networks to get information that they want to use against people you know evidence online breaking into accounts sometimes scary man the more that we we become as a society intertwined with technology we're just making ourselves more and more vulnerable you know to some fucking hack and everyone wants a piece of you now online on the internet Oh, you want you want to use our app? Just sign up for this, sign up for that, sign up for that. You got to sign up for a billion fucking things. You just spread so thin. You got so many wires coming out of you, like metaphorical wires, like payments. You got to make subscriptions and whatever. Giving your your billing info and your address to so many different sources, and each time you're you're agreeing to their terms and conditions. You're like, can I really trust them? you know 
are their servers secure? Like, are, there, are, there, are they really up to code over there? Or, you know, are those the employees over there just people like anybody else who, you know, are lazy and neglectful and, you know, there's holes in the security and... Think but you just hope nothing bad happens and someone doesn't put out some giant fucking zip file with all your nude photos. Anyway, I can't really think of anything else off the top of my head, uh, but uh, thanks a lot for your email, Jonathan. I appreciate it. All right, guys, that is it for episode 10 of the See Me After Class podcast. I'm your host, John Graham. Thank you for listening. Um, if you haven't already, check out my site at imaginativelogo.com. That's where you'll find the show, all the links to the show, links to all my content. Um, it's a good hub point for everything that's uh, associated with me. And um, uh, you'll find all the links to Arby and the Chief on there, seasons one to seven, which are all hosted on machinima.com. And then uh, season eight is on my channel on YouTube, but it's all there, seasons one to eight on the website. And uh, episodes of the podcast too, which has its own blog page, and they're all uploaded audio versions are on YouTube and SoundCloud. On SoundCloud, I also have music tracks for the show that I make, and there's actually a big library of them. They're all free. Uh, people can download them, um, remix them, use them in their own productions too. I don't mind that. Um, I would appreciate credit, but uh, if you don't give me credit, what the fuck am I gonna do? Come, come and get you. Gonna get you. Um, sharing really helps. Sharing alone. So uh, go ahead, like, tell your friends about how cool and hip Arby and Chief is. And uh, if you have a question for the podcast that you want that you want me to read out on the podcast, uh, send it to afterclasspodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at JCJ Graham, and I have a studio page on Facebook. That's Facebook.com/slash John C J G. But uh, yeah, go to the website, imaginativelogo.com for everything. Links to everything. That's where you'll find. It's the hub point. So check that out. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I will see you next time. Thank you.